Grasp the Bible is a podcast of Spring Baptist Church that walks through selected books of the Bible, verse by verse, as well as spends time exploring biblical ideas and topics to help you understand and apply God's Word in your daily life. Pastor Dale Stein of our Klein Campus will be leading each week's study. This is our second week in our special Advent series. Last week, we talked about hope, and it was a great, great word. This week, Pastor Daryl, what are we talking about? We are talking about preparation or getting our hearts ready for Christmas. Well, that sounds like a great, great idea. Yeah, well, I tell you, with the Christmas season, especially here in church, one of our biggest and busiest times of year, there's a lot of preparation going on. And I know for you, Pastor Marty, because you plan and coordinate all of our worship services, you and your team are extremely busy right now. So why don't you give us a sense of what you and your team are doing and why you're doing these things? Oh, wow. It is it is a crazy time. I think we have a major event, at least one every single week in the the month of December, and we start preparing back in May. Um, and actually, I started working on the music in March. And one, and I think it boils down in, into three areas for us. Uh, the first one is we have to get the reason why why we're doing something. And two is then we have to figure out what it is we're going to do. And three, it's kind of the execution of it all. And um, like this week, we're, we're working on a concert uh, with Ernie Haas and Signature Sound. We're singing, singing kind of backup for them. But next week, we're, we're, we're doing a special time. We're at the Spring Campus. And I know you guys are actually doing a special thing at, at Klein on the 16th as well. But where we are spending time preparing um, people's hearts and giving a place where people can come and hear God's great story. But one thing that people don't realize uh, the worship ministry spends a bunch of time working on the environment. We spend a lot of time up on ladders and putting up decorations and things, not just because it's pretty, not because it's dramatic and looks good, because we want people to walk in and we want them to sense that it's special, mm-hmm. that it's a special time. And sometimes um, people don't always even know what preparations you've put in place. All they see is the outcome, and that outcome touches their spirit and helps them see God in a new and a fresh way. So a lot of times we do a lot of things that no one sees, mm-hmm. but those things make all the difference because yes. I think God honors them. So I'm, it's Friday morning. Well, I've not slept much, so that may not make a lot of sense, but 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 that's what I got today. <laughs> well, yeah, and and again, the the way I see all the work you guys do, it's not simply for the sake of the work, right? Uh, it's to reach a higher end, which is really for people to be struck with the awe and the wonder, mm-hmm. not of the production, but of what the production points to, more specifically, who the production points to. And one of our core values is excellence here at Spring Baptist Church. And I think with all the work that you do, not only each week, but then specifically for the Christmas season, you help, I think, the congregation enter into a season of preparation, anticipation for something extraordinary. And I think with the uniqueness of it all um, and all the work we put in, it's almost a um, really a, a devotion to the Lord. We're saying you are worthy of this and we are going to do our best for excellence to lead people into a spirit of worship, of worshiping, the coming king. And so that's what I think about all the preparation you guys do. And and I think the root of ministry, I you're right, and that's where we hope it comes from and hope where it goes. 
But you know, the root of all ministry um, at the base of it is that we equip the saints for the work of the ministry, not just pastors, mm-hmm. but that's part of what we do as a choir, an orchestra, a band, worship leaders, my technology people. We're creating a basis to inspire, to help draw in, to create platforms, opportunities, and environments where people's hearts can be turned towards God, more towards God, or God can speak to them so that they can go out into the world and change the world. Mm -hmm. A bunch of great songs, which just to be fair, they're really good songs this year. We have a great Christmas album. If you'd like to join us, just check us out on Spring Worship. But it's great music. But what I really hope is that people get fired up and go out and change their community. Mm -hmm. That God changes their heart, their soul, their mind, and anyone who comes into this place is touched by him. But they go out into the community. Yes. And that it changes our community ultimately. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 all I got. All right, that's great. <laughs> so as we're getting ready, um, do you have anything that people need to be listening for today? Yeah. So in this prophecy, we see God making this announcement that a king is coming, and back at that time when kings would visit um, towns or villages. People who were there, they basically rolled out the red carpet for him. They got things ready because a dignitary was coming and they wanted to make sure that their city or their town was um, uh, pleasing to that person and that person was happy when that person came there. And so this is what we see Isaiah doing, saying, saying the same thing here, that you've got a king who's coming. You need to prepare the way to receive this king. That's a great word. Let's get right into it. All right. Welcome to week two of our series on Advent. And today we are going to be looking at the subject of preparation. Now, last week we looked at hope. This week it is preparation. But before we get into that, maybe you have seen uh, before these Advent wreaths and candles. And you're wondering, well, what does this mean and where did that all come from? Well, The Advent wreath first appeared in Germany in 1839. A Lutheran minister working at a mission for children created a wreath out of a wheel of a cart. He placed 20 small red candles and four large white candles inside the ring. The red candles were lit on weekdays and the four white candles were lit on Sundays. Eventually, the Advent wreath was created out of evergreens, symbolizing everlasting life in the midst of winter and death. The circle reminds us of God's unending love and the eternal life He makes possible. Advent candles are often nestled in the evergreen wreath. Additional decorations like holly and berries are sometimes added. The red color points ahead to Jesus' sacrifice and death. Pine cones can symbolize the new life that Jesus brings through his resurrection. Families begin lighting a candle on the fourth Sunday before Christmas and light another candle each subsequent Sunday. The first candle symbolizes hope and it's called the prophet's candle. The prophets of the Old Testament, especially Isaiah, waited in hope for the Messiah's arrival. The second candle represents faith and is called Bethlehem's candle. Micah had foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, also King David's birthplace. The third candle symbolizes joy and is called the shepherd's candle. 
To the shepherds' great joy, the angels announced that Jesus came for the humble, unimportant people like them, too. In liturgy, the color rose symbolizes joy. The fourth candle represents peace and is called the angel's candle. The angels announced that Jesus came to bring peace. He brought people closer to God and to each other again. And there's an optional fifth candle that represents light and purity and is called Christ's candle. It is placed in the middle and is lit on Christmas Day. And now that you know the history and the significance of the Advent wreath, we will turn our attention to this week's passage. And again, the theme of week two is preparation. And we are going to be in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, looking at verses 3 through 5. Now I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, and it says this, The voice of one calling out, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make straight in the desert a highway for our Lord. Let every valley be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. And let the uneven ground become a plain, and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah chapter 40 begins a major new section in the book. Isaiah is no longer addressing Judah in his own day. He's being projected by the Holy Spirit out into the future, like the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. He is looking into the prophetic crystal ball, so to speak, and seeing a future day and declaring the gospel to the Jews languishing in Babylon in exile. He is saying to them and to us, God has not abandoned you. Your best days are still ahead. God has a purpose of grace for you better than ever. He is coming to save you. God comes with his comforting promise of worldwide salvation. And today, we will look at the content of that promise. So Isaiah hears this voice. God has commanded his servants, still unidentified, to bring a message of comfort to his people. Now Isaiah hears one of those prophetic voices. He hears the content of the comforting message. What is God saying? Well, he's saying three things. So in verse 3, what he says is that the king is coming. He comes to us where we are, where we are in the wilderness and desert of our real lives. He wants us to get ready to receive him because right now we aren't ready. Since God is holy, all who meet him must be holy or they will be judged. Therefore, verse 3 encourages God's people to make appropriate preparation for the time when all flesh will meet God. The process of preparation is described using the analogy of a royal command to repair the roads because a great emperor will soon approach. The audience is encouraged to prepare the way and make straight a highway for God by leveling out the high and low sections of the road and by smoothing out the rough spots. Now, the verb prepare introduces the idea of removing obstructions, which is going to be spelled out further in verse 4. The whole concept is, of course, figurative, declaring in dramatic fashion that the Lord will let nothing stand in the way of the exiles returning to their homeland. 
The ultimate fulfillment here is in the ministry of John the Baptist as he prepares the way for the ministry of Jesus. We see this in Matthew chapter 3. Spiritually speaking, Israel was in the wilderness when Jesus came. But when he came, God's glory came. We know from Luke chapter 3 verses 1 through 18 that Jesus is the coming king and that the readiness we need is newness of life. What we need is new selves. Prepare the way of the Lord. In verse 4, he tells us the second thing here, the second promise, and that is that God will accomplish his purpose. Every valley shall be lifted up, and so forth. Now, Isaiah is not talking about literal topographical change. He's talking about the upheaval of true repentance. He's talking about a new moral topography, a new social landscape. He is talking about the disruptive advance of salvation. He's saying that lifting and lowering and leveling and smoothing are necessary to the kingdom of Christ. He's talking about depression being relieved, pride being flattened, troubled personalities becoming peaceful, and difficult people becoming easy to get along with. And he's also implying that if we cling to the status quo and refuse God's upsetting but constructive salvation, we risk having no part with Christ. And the third part of this promise is that the glory of the Lord Jesus will be revealed to the whole world. We can be certain of it because God has decreed it. The announcement that people will see the glory of God does not seem to refer to people seeing the glory of God in some general way for example, by observing his glorious deeds in history, or by seeing his glory in nature. Instead, the good news is that all flesh will actually view with their physical eyes the majestic glory of God himself. This announcement seems to require a great appearance of God that will be universally visible if all flesh will see it. In Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 18, God's glory appeared before Moses and the elders. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, the prophet Isaiah had a brief glimpse into the glory of God, the king on his throne. The seraphim sang of this future day when they said the whole earth will be full of his glory. And later prophecies celebrate how people came from all over the world and they will fear God because of his glory. They'll be drawn by his glorious light, and they will repent and come to Zion. In earlier prophecies, Isaiah announced that at the end of time, God's glory would be visible as a shelter around all his holy people in Zion. In chapter 35, the most transcendent holy power in the world will openly display his real presence to people in a marvelous way. And now, Isaiah develops these ideas that they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. This is the day that will bring divine comfort to all people, and it's a day that all believers look forward to. Since all flesh will see God's glory at this time, the prophet must be referring to the end times. The overwhelming presence of God's glory will be at the center stage as he reveals his promise to come to earth to reign. There may be many other mysterious factors about these end times events that people then and today don't fully understand, 
But one thing every person can be absolutely certain about is that the mouth of the Lord has promised that God's glory will appear on earth someday. The glory of the Lord, therefore, is God himself becoming visible, God bringing his presence down to us, God displaying his beauty before us, the true answer to our deepest longings. And he promises to do this for us. It is this central promise of the gospel. God kept his promise in the hidden glory of Christ's first coming. He continues to keep his promise as the Holy Spirit awakens us to the glory of Christ in the gospel. And he will consummate his promise at the second coming of Christ. All this is contained in seed form in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5. Our part is to have the courage to welcome him with the bold restructuring of our lives. Nothing could be greater for us than to be wonderfully disrupted by the power of this hope. And so the question for you is this, how can you prepare for Christmas and for Christ's ultimate return? And that wraps up our second week of Advent. We appreciate that word. Now, um, as a matter of wrapping up, we know the big idea is preparation, right? Mm -hmm. You've elaborated on that pretty deeply. Now, how do we apply that? Like, how do we walk into that? Yeah, so as I look back through the passage, um, back in verse 3, Isaiah says, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. And I'm wondering for, for, for each one of us, how do we clear the way in our own lives to prepare to receive Jesus? What are some things that we need to be doing? And so, for example... It is searching our souls. Am I truly in the mindset to worship Jesus for what he came to do in my life? Am I allowing the junk to accumulate in my life? And if so, I need to go in and and clean that all out. So kind of like when we have guests coming over to our house, right? We clean up. Why? Why? Because we want to make a good impression. We want that guest to feel welcome. We want them to feel that this is a nice place to be, right? So we clean things up. And when it's good to reflect back in our lives and say, what junk have I accumulated here? What are some things that I've allowed to really push Christ out of the way? And for, to allow these things to be number one in my life. So do some self-reflection and say, how can I get my heart ready to receive the king? Because I promise you this, if the president of the United States, I don't care which party it is, if the president was going to show up to your house, would you do anything to your house knowing that the president was going to show up? I think we all would. So why wouldn't we do the same thing knowing that the king of kings, the king of the universe, is coming. What are we doing to prepare our minds and to prepare our hearts to receive him? Now, something I did not hear you say is that you are not preparing anyone else's heart. Right. You're not calling anyone else's mind out. This sounds like a very internal, personal thing. Mm -hmm. One of the problems I think we have in our society right now is that We think that every problem is caused by someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a great reminder that 99% of the time, now stand up for your beliefs and all that. We don't want any hate mail, like, like vote, stand up for your beliefs, speak the truth, all those things. 
But I think our world would be a better place most of the time if I did what you just said and I kept myself focused in on who the King of Kings is and kept myself focused in on the right things mm-hmm. and quit worrying about everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, take first take care of myself and then make sure my family is doing that. The people I lead, you know, I lead my family. And I think if we all did that, I think a lot of the issues in the world would sort of fade away. Yes. Mm-hmm. So very, very good. Do you have anything as, as we wrap up week two? Do you have anything we just need to just like, Hey, I want to say this. Yeah. I think that, um, I, I, my hope is that, uh, as we go through this Advent season, that you are taking the time, um, back last week to, to look on hope this week, spend time in preparation. Here's the thing. Um, you know, to go secular here and to go Michael Jackson, right? Man in the mirror. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. If you want to make the world a better place to look at, take a look at yourself and then make that change. And just like you said, you know, we are so focused on changing others and they're going to change and they're going to change. But the whole time God is looking at us saying, well, why don't you focus on cleaning up your own life first? Why don't you focus on doing the things that I've already told you you need to be doing? Let's begin there before you begin to criticize others as well. And I think really if we are true with ourselves and we look at the commands in scripture to love the Lord God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, let's just start there. Good luck preparing your heart for all that. Well, it is. And, and that's before you can get to, to love your neighbor. So mm-hmm. I don't think you can unless you love the Lord God. If you try to love your neighbor first, you end up with some kind of some kind of false ministry. Mm-hmm. But oh, what a great word! I love yeah. that. So let's look forward to next week. We've had hope. We've had preparation. Mm-hmm. What is next week's theme? We're going to be talking about joy next week. I love joy. Got it down in my heart. Deep, deep. Mm-hmm. Got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? down it okay we better stop okay so thank you so much for joining us as always like and share the podcast you can go back and look uh, we've got several oh several several series of new testament books and um, where you can go through the epistles and you can check them out verse by verse that's what we normally do right now we're working through the advent season and we're so glad that you're joining us next week join us as we continue our study of advent our special series on week three joy joy